What's up, humans? Welcome to the Human Music Podcast. I'm Luke Rain, my co-hosts are Tesco and Rip Kinney, and we are all music producers, artists, and producer coaches. This show is where we discuss all things music production and interview amazing creatives about their origins, their process, and whatever else comes up. This week is episode 102, Rip Kinney has the urge to be creative. This week, we're interviewing our very own Rip Kinney. You can finally know what instruments he played in the school band, who were his earliest musical influences, how he got into electronic music and started DJing, how doing mashups led him into producing, how he honed in on his musical style, diving into sound design and then modular synthesis, adding guitar to his workflow, getting off the beaten path, and how the urge to be creative drives him daily. He also gave us a little preview of the process to get his next album that's coming out ready. Speaking of which, the song of the week is a single off of that album by Rip Kinney called Get Out Well You Can. You're listening to it in the background behind me now. And you can go click on the links below to please go support Loop, favorite, like, playlist, send that to your mama. Let the people know about Rip Kinney so we can blow him up. Next, please support our sponsors while you're down there, Dojo TV, where you can get free producer live stream classes from the Dojo Senseis, Tesco's Patreon, where you can get educational content, project files, behind-the-scenes footage, access to his Discord, track feedback, and private lessons, the weekly download where you can learn from Ill Gates and his private weekly group lessons and get access to probably almost 300 episodes in the archive for only 20 bucks a month and guest practices where you can learn from the best engineer we know Seth Drake at the Approach Institute and your first class is free check out thehumanmusicpodcast.com to find our socials more episodes streaming platforms and free sound packs but let's get on into this episode interviewing Rip Kinney Hello, people of Earth. This is Tesco with Rip Kenny and Trap Jesus, and you're listening to the uh, Human Music Podcast. Woo! Hmm. Human Music Podcast. I like it. What's up, humans? Welcome back Woo. to the... Human the Music Podcast. Cast, cast. Fwan, 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 fwan. Back like we left something. More things to say. More people to interview. And who's the people we interviewing today, Tesco? Uh, it's not going to be in order. I Now that I pointed, but this guy below me, that's probably not below for you. Is Actually, it? yeah. Normally, hey, I put hey. you on the bottom rung, but I forgot wow, to change that go. before I started. So now Shout you're in the hot viewers. seat in the bottom, in the bottom center there, Rip Kenny. And you're Shout getting interviewed. Shout out the viewers. We just shared that serendipitous moment. And Woo. yeah, it's the Rip Kenny episode. This is where we dive deep and figure out all the little things that we haven't figured out about him, like his favorite color and is he a Russian favorite spy? show. Well, we know that. Tune into episode thirty-nine. I, I hope I'm not. <laughs> I don't know what thirty-nine was, but go watch no thirty-nine. Clue. Shout Tune out episode thirty-nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, man so. we should just start promoing old episodes. Just be like, tune in to find Rip Kenny's secret dish, episode twelve. <laughs> I think episode two, we talked about my hair care routine yeah. and what and what the wow. camels were named when I. That's. 
when I Excellent. rode across uh, part of Moroccan desert. Which one? Which one? Throwback. Which one did we talk about? The dead mouse carnage beef. I might have been like, episode one. <laughs> one of no, those first couple for you sure. Think? I think that was in that was out of the tens. I think that was that was into the meat of them. I believe. Go listen to all of them and let Go us know. Go listen to all the early episodes, humans, and let us know what we did in the comments. Just yeah. type a comment for everything we said. I'm pretty sure it'll help our YouTube mm. algorithm. Leave a thumbs up, too. And yes. if you hate it, hit the upside down thumbs down button. Yes, that's very important. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cool. Well, hey, Ruth um, Kenny. Yeah. Yes. What is your superhero origin story? How did you become the awesome creator you are today? Um, well, I was in the simulation one day, just driving, and I heard this song on the radio, and it was mm-hmm. going like, uh, boop, 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 And I was like, damn, that song sucked, but that last part was sick. And then here I am. Um, transported right My name's Jerry, by the way. Did you guys you guys miss that one? My name's Rip Jerry. Jerry. Rip Jerry. Actually, total off the rails sidebar before the superhero origin story. We have uh, a dog and a cat in our fam. And the dog is more like a cat. He's like so scared. And uh, our cat is like a dog. He's like so friendly and acts more like a dog than our dog and so for halloween this year we just realized our cat is going to be rick the dog is going to be morty and shelb and i are going to be jerry and beth so i need to brush up on my jerry clothes (laughs) speaking of jerry because that is going to be funny as shit anyways my superhero origin story okay um you know this is really funny because i haven't thought about any of this for the amount of times that Luke has asked a guest in his perfect radio DJ voice what their superhero origin story is. And I sit here like, oh, this, this is cool. I've never actually thought about mine. Okay, so let's see. First, first, I guess you should start with like your first moment that like music like really kind of hit you and you realized music is tight. Hell yeah. Um uh i this is like the the strangest memory from when i was just like a a little kid like little you know like some of those random memories you're like did that actually happen Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure this did like one night i was like lying in bed and my parents were like kind of unlike of them but they were blasting music downstairs and it was like i think they were playing like share or something like the do you believe in life after love song that you guys know the one I'm talking about? Uh, the one, the, the one where auto tune was ousted. Um, yep. That, they were playing that song. Obvious for the first time. Yeah. And I remember getting out of bed and walking downstairs, like humming the song, like, Oh, this is so cool. And I remember walking into the family room. My parents were looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing? This It's like midnight. Like, you're a little kid. You should be sleeping. You have elementary school tomorrow. What are you doing? And I just like, it was like I was sleepwalking. I was just like entranced by that song. And um, 
other than that, I, I don't really remember what the context of that story was, but that is really the first formative memory of like music, like having a hold on me. And I just thought, I just always thought that was really interesting because it's, if you listen to that song now, it's, it's kind of like a dance tune first and foremost. It's oh, like, sure is. Mm-hmm. That song got played at an event I was at earlier this month, and no the way. entire everybody jumped up and started dancing super hard. Shouts out to DJ Taylor Haddon out of Tacoma, Washington, for dropping share on our party. That's awesome. It was, but epic. Uh, so yeah, from a young age, I had a you know a, an inkling that music had some sort of deeper meaning or like deeper association to my soul. And it was a, a, a powerful force in my life. Um, I also remember going to elementary school one day. My dad was scrolling through radio stations and um, he put on the local college radio station that played electronic music. Shout out C89.5. If hey. you're in Seattle, you know that one. Totally got a shout um, out on last week's episode for me too. Yeah. yeah. I mean... Honestly, they deserve more credit. They for for radio playing just straight up electronic music it was not cool for a long time. It was very underground, like left field. Like you, you had to struggle to get people to actually give a shit, and because they didn't need ratings, it was basically like a training system for um, these actually high schoolers mm-hmm. to like learn the ins and outs of radio. Um, yeah, they just did the electronic thing. I remember they were playing a Tiesto song. Um, it was like the In Search of Sunrise something or other, if I recall correctly. But I remember just being like absolutely like in trance, no pun intended, by that <laughs> song. And um, so like the, my f- ver- like two of my very first like foremost formative memories of, of music are like electronic, like dance songs. And then that passion kind of uh was left underneath the surface to bubble up later um then in like third grade or something like that i was uh, at some summer camp or something and some kid like was like oh have you heard this band called lincoln park and i was like what no that's a dumb name what lincoln park and he handed me his walkman and his headphones and i put that on and that really is the starting point for me like oh my god music like this i'm not like i'm always gonna have music now from that point on like literally i'd have told this story on the podcast before but listened to that cd so many times that i wore it out like it broke someday and i made my mom drive me to fred meyer so i could buy so she could buy me (laughs) another version of that cd um just so i had it because it was like literally my gospel and i remember rip kenny's mom yeah shout out cindy you're not listening but i appreciate you um and i like i remember like sitting in like my third grade classroom with another friend of mine who I showed Lincoln park to, and they were equally as enthralled. Um, and we were like reading like the lyrics booklet. And there's this one, like on the, the one step closer, there's the bridge section is like, shut up when you're talking to me. And I, we were like thinking that was hilarious to say. And the teacher comes over and you're listening to devil music. And we're like, what? They're not even swear words in this. Like you can't, 
you can't say that. Um, but it was undeniably like just the most, like our favorite thing. And so, yeah, that was, that was really what the first style of music that grabbed me. And, um, you know, then I, you know, played instruments that have no relation to what I actually liked. Like most kids do. Uh, I played cello in like fourth and fifth grade. And then I played, uh, clarinet in the school band from sixth to eighth grade because uh i had already done the cello thing so i was like okay what's my elective for middle school band um okay i don't want to carry the cello around anymore because that was gigantic and a huge hassle yes yeah, so um, yeah what what can i fit in my locker and not have to carry around <laughs> or take home rarely take home to practice and that was a clarinet it was you know came in a nice little basically eight by 10, eight by 12 by like four inches deep box. And I was like, this That's is like perfect. The size of everything else at school. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Fit, fit in the locker. And so that's what I ended up playing. Um, like obviously in band, you just play a lot of like classical music and like just stuff that generally I didn't really care about. But now looking back, I feel like the, you know, when you're writing music and you like hear notes and resolutions in your head and you like as you're writing a progression or a melody or something you just kind of have a sense for where it should land and then you have this other cloud of like could and like what else would be interesting like the all of the should land and like where where the music should go came from that experience and I think that having that foundation of always like being around and playing a lot of that kind of music like really did give a pretty strong base of like just fundamental musical understanding of how it feels when something resolves and how music just works in general. So although I didn't love any of that music that we were playing back then, it definitely, I think had a pretty big impact on music, you know, my musicality in general. Um, Amen. Yeah. And then so band kids, right. I feel like everyone that does music, not everyone. A lot of people that do music nowadays have some story of some weird instrument, like, you know, if it's trumpet or, you know, they played something in jazz band. I feel like everyone has some sort of story about playing some instrument that they were kind of like meh on back then that ultimately probably did have a pretty big part in Violin. them becoming. There you go. Violent. What about you, Tesco? Um, I got into the guitar pretty early. So like when I came to school time, I got on the drums and then I did that for a bit, but, uh, I, I switched to bass cause I figured it has less strings so I could, I could do the shit. Did you play in the jazz band or the regular band? We didn't have jazz band. And honestly, mm. the fact that you had say in what your elective is, is like mind boggling to me too. I didn't have any say till grade nine. Wow. I hadn't even really considered that. I mean, granted, we had like three options, but band definitely, yeah, right. Yeah, I didn't even know no options was a thing. It does make sense, though. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what I was doing musically at the time. I wasn't, I wasn't listening to any of that kind of music. I was still, so I guess by, by middle school, I was still listening to like a lot of alternative rock and that kind of thing, Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, Corn. Slipknot, 
uh, I guess that's more like metal or new metal system of a down my chemical romance, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like a lot of typical middle schoolers, like, you know, hip hop and rap and all of the stuff that was popular as well, just because, um, it, I mean, it was objectively looking back now, pretty, pretty solid music for that, for the stylings. Like I, you know, a lot of those tunes still, there's a reason that people still play that music anywhere at any time at any party and everyone becomes a woo girl because they're catchy like the the beats were good they were like you know they got people moving and like um like they were just enjoyable songs so but the the transition went from you know like rock and metal and alternative into that plus hip-hop and rap and just generally kind of more taking like everything else as part like what i enjoyed and then by high school um like a lot of the kids that i like mountain biked with like listened to a lot of like kind of you know like atmosphere and like midwest hip-hop just a little bit headier stuff um and so i got really deep into that and like andre nicotina um like Bay area hip hop and stuff. So that became a pretty big influence for a while. And then, um, by the end of high school, I was not playing music of any kind anymore. Actually, by the time ninth grade rolled around, I just wasn't in band anymore, but I was still obviously very interested in music. And, um, so the metal influence early, then hip hop, and then kind of like, everything else and by the time like the end of high school rolled around that's when i actually got back into like electronic music people still called it techno at the time like infected mushroom and like like uh, you know happy hardcore is what you would call it now but everyone just called it like techno that kind of stuff like bubbled back up into my listening profile and then when i got to college and i was introduced into like real you know, real in air quotes, electronic music, like dead mouse and cascade and Skrillex and that kind of stuff. Um, and then that just absolutely took over all of my listening attention, like just dove head first into it. Absolutely loved it. Like didn't, didn't even listen to metal anymore, like, or like anything else, like hip hop you heard at parties and stuff, but I was basically just only electronic music from like 2010 until maybe six, seven years later. But um, when I was a sophomore in college, I started DJing for fun because um, I was so into electronic music. It was kind of a natural progression. Like, What did you take how, in college, by the way? What did I? Um, so in college, I studied construction management. Um, I came in to do finance, but then start like I got into the business school, started taking finance classes, and realized um, no shade. Actually, the material like I didn't mind, but the people I was taking classes with were just fucking unbearable. Like no (laughs) shade. You guys sucked. That was clearly shade. (laughs) Clearly sucked. Like like the like the kids that raise their hand to like give an answer from the book and then fucking smugly look around like, yeah, fuck you. I'm gonna get the four oh in this class. Yeah, but think of the ROI of that answer. 
<laughs> I don't give a fuck about your ROI. You're insufferable, and I don't want to be in a career with any of you guys. So well. I was like, nope, fuck this. I'm, I've got to do something else. And there were a few guys in the house that were um, that were doing construction management, and that seemed like a pretty good combination of engineering technical skill and like, you know, every, every single person that I met that was doing that was like pretty down to earth, pretty cool. Like I enjoyed spending time with them. So I was like, that's going to be the new path. You know, it'll get me outdoors, you know, doing interesting things. And so, yeah, that's the path that I took in college, but um, yeah, back to, so I started DJing like sophomore year, making basically I found that you could get like acapellas and I started putting acapellas over other people's songs and like the breakdowns and stuff. And I was like, huh, if I can make acapellas over these breakdowns sound good. Like, I wonder if I could actually like make this music myself. So summer of junior year, I learned about this thing called Ableton and I've told this story plenty of times on this, on this podcast before, but, um, for the first six months, I basically would like open it, get confused by session view, n- not understand how to make loops or anything. And like not realizing that I could just go on YouTube and learn how to do it. I was just like, yeah, fuck this. I don't care. And close it. And then one day, um, my brother actually told me like, oh, there's this thing called massive and you can get a free trial of it on the internet. Mm. And uh, it makes the sounds that you need to make cool music. And I was like, Oh, what? So I got the free trial, um, from our friends at, um, the Bay of pirates and they, uh, <laughs> basically I, at the same time now inspired to actually figure it out, realize that there's arrangement view, which is, it just makes sense. Still to this day, session view, I rarely use it other than like Never. as a as a mixing desk type thing. Um because arrangement view is just so much it just my brain it just it's one to one. Yeah, so, that. Yeah, I realized you can do arrangement view of how to make MIDI clips, found some shitty kick drum sample, put like some sort of preset from massive that was sounded like big room house, kick drum, big room house preset, four bar loop. Oh my God, I can make music. This is the best thing ever. Um, yeah. And from that point, I, I, I never looked back. There were many, many a late night spent in the library where I went to study that I, you know, opened up Ableton like, Oh, you know, I'll just, I'll just screw around for a little bit. Next thing you know, it's three in the morning and you're like, Oh my God, this song is going to be the fucking Tomorrowland 2012 anthem. It's going to be so sick. Like, no, it's not, but it is. Those moments are fun though. Because as, as you like have no concept of what is possible for you to make and you actually do make something that you enjoy, it's like it, that's the addictive quality of the early stage, right? Even though qualitatively your music isn't that great, but you're, you're I don't want to say you're impressing yourself, but you're creating stuff out of nothing that you enjoy and you're, and that, that is the feeling that it's worth chasing every time. Right. I mean, still to this day, like creating feels better than consuming. And that was something that really appealed to me. Um, even though like, you know, being a 
absolute professional procrastinator. There are many a times where I've wasted many a minutes, hours doing absolutely nothing. Um, you always have the sense in the back of your mind, like you're wasting your life, dude. Like, what are you doing? And so that sense of like creating was just like, so like intrinsically motivating. And that has still never left me to this day. And the reason I still make music to this day is that, that feeling. Um, but yeah, so for the first like two years of making music, I actually, me and my brother were a production duo, um, that shall not be named. If you listen to the episode where we played all our old shitty records, you'd probably hear some of that. The day um, ones, no. If yeah, you know, the day ones, know. no. Yeah, go listen to episode Cough, Cough, Cough. That's all about roasting our earliest tracks. Exactly. Great episode. Great um, episode. Classic. But yeah, so we were making like progressive house, I would say you could call it electro house. Oh, and then uh, after that, move. We're like, oh, all those songs sucked. We're way better now. Let's make a new project. Uh, and right now we listen to a. Well, actually, I'm not going to give that story because that would give the name to that next project as well, which, again, the day ones know. If you don't know, you don't need to know. It's so but, secretive. It's a mysterious. I man. mean, everyone loves a good Easter egg, right? Like, if you're listening to this and you don't know either of those project names, like, now you have a fun Easter egg to find if Kenny's you'd like. Um, but basically, both of those projects were making progressive house, trance, electro house stuff that was in all honesty derivative it you know it, it was it was it was being inspired by a genre that I, we were listening to a lot and then sitting down and making stuff that was inspired by our favorite songs that we were listening to it wasn't like you know copy paste or anything but the stylings of the genres and everything it was like they fit into the box of that genre every time like very tightly um, just because it was, you know, like, that's what you did when you're, when you're learning, you're, you know, you take an influence from those people. And then about 2017, after making music for four years, I was realizing that even though I would say the quality of the songs that, you know, I was, I was making at that point were, were good or great people still didn't really give a shit and it, it took me a little bit to realize that no one gave a shit because it was not, there wasn't a thread of like, why should I listen to you over this person? Right. It was, it, there's a, there's, there's no qualitative thread of a style. It's all, you know, it's like, listen to us do this thing. Cool. And I realized I needed to, figure out a way to you know be different and at the time realizing i needed to be different for people to care didn't necessarily translate into figure out your style you know from the inside it was okay what's different that other people aren't doing and so in my head i had all these cockamamie combinations of genres and styles like what if i did house music except it's like huge like core like what if it's like trance music but it's like house tempo and like house drums but like that's not that's not cool at all and then like what if i did like side trance but it was like 
metal. And then that's like, well, A, that's infected mushroom. B, also just not that, not, not imaginative. Like, what are you doing? Like just all these dumb combinations of what if I use Chris Lorenzo bases, but it's like halftime and like all, all this that's shit that's you like, learn, you know, yeah, you but can, like you can only shit on it so much. Yeah, of course. But like that, it's just so funny to me now that like thinking like that was, those were in my head. Those are like viable, like you should try this. Cause this could be your style. Like, I mean, it could have been what the fuck. It could and then have been. it could have been, but you know, it's not, because it could have been, but it would have been lifeless after three or four songs. Um, and then I finally made this one song called, um, need you. If you know the second project's name, it's, it is on Spotify, but it had a very rock feel to the chords. It was the first time that I had, I had just put like, you know, the Ableton guitar amp on some stuff playing power chords. And it had this really interesting feel to it that awakened a lot of like the metal influence and like alternative rock influence that I enjoyed from the earlier years. Um, and that kind of light bulb, like, oh, right. You, that thing that feels nostalgic right now, that that's literally a piece of your musical taste that you've been ignoring for years that it feels good to make music like that has that nostalgia because you've been ignoring this piece of you for so many years. Wait, holy shit. Like, why don't you just like figure out like what your favorite parts of all of the music that you've ever listened to are and see what that sounds like. So that was kind of the genesis of the project as it stands now. You know, a lot of the 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 drum beats that I make are very, you know, hip hop swing style. Um, you know, accent, ghost kicks, that kind of thing. Like literally every song has some sort of accent kick that I make. That's, you know, a lot of that hip hop influence, the guitars and the emotion is is all like the like the emotion of like, for instance, the album Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge by My Chemical Romance, like it is like your heart is breaking into a thousand pieces, but it also like you can't stop it. Like there's just such like a complex, like visceral emotion attached that at least I attach to that kind of music. And same thing with like Linkin Park. Um, and that has always, cause to me, that's like the most powerful emotion you can write with like your chords and melodies and stuff. And so that's always what I'm trying to like go for as far as chords and emotions and shit like that. And then, you know, the aesthetic of, of bass music is just kind of the package that I, you know, have, have landed on to be just what I like making nowadays, you know, it's like, you can make it big, you can make it minimal, the, the drum patterns, you can have a lot of swing and they're not the same drum pattern every time, like house music, when you have that template, that's always the kick just on beat and always the clap on the four, always the hat on the off beat. Like, you know, it's like, I enjoy making this stuff, but it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't satisfy that intrinsic creation 
urge that mm. that I've talked about, like being the reason I make music. And so, um, all of the basically the 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 cross section of musical tastes that I think probably only I would have is what has been the genesis of the Rip Kenny project, and still is to this day what I just use as a general guiding principle for what I make. Um, and yeah, I think that's pretty much the whole story. It's kind of long winded, but um, what's what's what do you mean by the urge? Can you talk about that a little more? Because yeah, I know what you mean, but tell me, mm. tell me a little bit more about the urge. Yeah. So, and when did you notice you had it? When did you start actually feeling like this problematic? If I stop doing it, if I stop um, urging. Yeah. So it's it's interesting because it never really occurred to me it never it never really crossed my mind until i had the aha moment of like this like it, no one's gonna give a shit unless you're making something different and different is not some combination that you think up different is you're different like everyone in the world has listened to a completely separate distinct unique set of music and has felt grabbed by different parts of all of that music in their life. Therefore, every single person has at the very center of their musical Venn diagram, something that's truly them. And that once I realized that, then it became very obvious, like serving that should be the goal of making music, right? Like the, 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 the urge that you're referencing, like the, the like creation, like intrinsically motivating, like f making something out of nothing that, that originally is satisfied by making music at all, because before that you couldn't make music. And now you're making something that sounds like a song and you show your first song ever to your friends or your mom and you're they're like oh my god this is so cool you can make music and it doesn't really matter how good it is because before you couldn't make anything and now you made something so like that that jump is like what like that that's why it doesn't matter what you make when you start you have you feel that that intrinsic like oh my god this is this is like this is great like yeah. this is it just keeps you wanting more and then as I realized like what I just talked about, then that is what started giving me that feeling more intensely than, than creating, you know, anything else that was, you know, borrowing from genre preconceptual frameworks and putting my own spin on them. Right. Cause that is, it's, it's no longer like serving the same intrinsic creation, like, like fundamental like drive right um so yeah that's kind of that's kind of the gist of that it's like it naturally progressed to a point where now like making the music that i make like because because i'm not referencing anything else it always kind of feels like that and, and like you you end up stumbling upon like new stuff that excites you 
anyways because you're you're just you're not you're not going by any guidelines like you just end up stumbling on like oh shit like this is this sounds different and cool so um yeah for me that's really what drives that side of things that's what's up and what are some of the new things that you've been stumbling upon through that process that that have been exciting Mm. you lately yeah um so I mean, uh, at about like three or four years into producing, I, part of, part of the, like, you know, if I want people to give a shit, you have to make something different became like, oh, well, it's, you're just using presets. Like why, like, you know, if, if you want to make something different, you probably should learn how to sound design. Um, and so as I, you know, was watching tutorials, learning how to use massive and silent at the time um i actually realized that it scratched an itch of that that i didn't know existed which which is like very similar to that urge that i just talked about like when you make a sound from scratch that is different and you know you haven't heard anything do the exact same thing it scratches that same like oh wow this is so cool like you just love it and so that that really has became uh really has become a, a huge part of my process just making new sounds for fun and inevitably the tendencies and things and that you like to hear and the moves that you like to make to make it sound like you want it to hear lead to that whole bucket of sounds once you've gotten to a point where you're not just watching a tutorial and copying it and then maybe tweaking it like you're just starting from scratch and seeing what you get inevitably a, a like 90% of those sounds end up in this bucket that is you right it it fits for if you've been doing it for a few years and like those sounds like inevitably sound like your sounds so like the sounds you hear in rip kenny nowadays are just all stuff that i've made over the past four years that because like i just said the the moves and tendencies end up feeling sonically signature um and so like the sound design has always been a huge thing and obviously We've talked about it on the show, but the modular is now a new frontier of like interest and like it just it just makes you think differently about it. And I mean, even even though the sounds that I get out of the modular are quite dissimilar and a, a lot of time like more often than me opening serum, I'll get something that I'm like, wow, that was really cool, but I don't know when I would use this. But you know, you still record it, you still save it in a folder and label it weird squirrely left field ring-a-ding-ding. And, you know, I don't know if I'll ever use that, but Send it's it in me. there. Shit. <laughs> that sounds right up my alley. Perfect. Weird squirrely left field ring-a-ding-ding. It's the name yeah, of my I, new album, didn't you know? I, I actually didn't know that. I'm excited to hear it, though. Because <laughs> I have a concept of what that sounds like in my head, but I'm, I'm curious to see if yours is the same. But, yeah, so obviously... It is modu- if I steal all your sound design. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Go right I, ahead. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll collect a folder of a bunch of stuff that I feel yeah, like... Yeah, when is. are we getting uh, Get Dead Part 2? So we can steal Get more back of your to sounds. life. In the future. <laughs> in the future. Actually, you it's funny. Now, your sauce. now, like listening to some of the get dead sounds nowadays i'm like oh my god dude like you just your intuition for how to 
make the sounds and how to process them and make them smoother and fuller and stuff, you're like, God, those were really cool. But if you just did this thing that you know now, it would be even better. So whenever why we need a part two. I know. Whenever whenever the inspiration happens to make Get Dead part two, it'll be considerably sicker. But um so yeah, other than modular being a really fun new way to work on sound design, which is you know something that has piqued my interest um a lot of the majority of the stuff that like is scratching that itch for creation is based on like the the combination of guitars and sound design um so nowadays i like four out of five actually probably more than that uh songs start with me just jamming on the guitar and figuring out you know, like some sort of rhythm or chords or riff or something like that. And then figuring out, because it's different every time how that piece of guitar translates into making an electronic song. Um, But like inevitably trying a bunch of different things, it it always ends up a little bit different and, and leads to kind of a different styling as far as, the sonic characteristics go um but it it is a difficult but fun challenge i like it's funny because i've I've, you know thought to myself a few times like why doesn't anyone make my chemical romance sounding metal emo punk music but in like an electronic dubstep format and that is because the combination of those two styles inherently do not match very well. Like trying to play a big distorted guitar thing at the same time as any synth ever makes a fucking mess. Yeah. They're kind of doing the same thing from a different angle. Yeah. Similar frequency ranges supposed to be in your face. Exactly. They, they just both, they're both, the a player and they're like fighting they're like we can't be on the same team fuck you i'm I'm going to a different team it's like what happens on every song it's like the guitar and then i like i like the guitar and then i add this other thing it's like oh that creates a really interesting tone and then like it's it's literally just a painstaking process of chipping away at both until it sounds like okay i think this i think these can play in the same field now um but because I've come like, I like the, the stuff that even the, the thing is like when I'm making music, like I'll add the two things, whatever they are, guitar and synth, whatever together, like it will be like so scratchy, but the vibe of it is so interesting to me that I'll leave it. And like, I always like, you know, whatever, if it sounds good when you're making it, like, that's fine. Like you'll figure it out later. And then it's always just such a gigantic fucking mess to get it to sound good when you're mixing it. Um, but because I like it so much when it starts, like when I'm, when I put the two things together originally, it ends up just like, well, you got to figure it out. So figure it the fuck out. And doing that like leads to, you know, stuff that ends up, I think, interesting to me. Totally. Yeah, it definitely takes that whole like, as I was kind of, you know, threw in that little note where it was like, maybe that thing could have been your sound because it takes so much of that 
to figure out like what later becomes your sound. There's yeah. so many little things I'm sure that you tried in trance that you never thought would be the thing that you took away from that, that now ends up in your style or like those little details. But yeah, man, it, it's like really a painstaking process to like find that sound. And like, especially, especially when, you know, you're talking about bringing the guitars and synths together. I'm not saying that's never been done, but like in the context yeah, that you're totally. doing, like you're totally going off road here with no roadmap and it like, Man, it just takes so much. I think honestly, Good the thing you have a snowmobile. I'm curious. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm curious to hear what you think of this. But something I think about is like, I feel like none of the concepts themselves are that hard, like production yeah. wise or no. writing wise. It's just fitting yeah. the little pieces together. But I feel like it's the subconscious that actually does most of the work, and you just kind of have to like show up and just like keep like poking at it to like work in that direction because so much of that stuff you just really need to sit on and like have whatever 20 30 songs and like reflect on that what worked what didn't work um yeah i'm kind of just you know curious like influence wise what's like what's what's something that no, let me let me phrase this better because what I'm trying to get at is like for the people that are trying to find their sound and like it's totally like foreign for them. I'm mm. curious kind of like what your like mindset shift was yeah. in that time since you started like how did you just decide like I'm going to go off road here? I, totally. I, I'm still not like wording this properly. No, I, know, I actually know that I, experience. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know exactly what you're saying. Um, and the answer is uh, just like. When you're not that good at mixing, there'll be a song in the batch of your first 50 that you're like, wow, like sonically, this like actually really works. Like it, it, it hits right. And at the time you didn't really know why. Um, it's the same thing with like trying to make a style with no map. It's like, you gotta be okay with making so many shitty demos of this style of thing that will never see the light of day just because you're trying to figure out like, I, I, and I think that that is like a big takeaway here is like whatever thing, if you're trying to do something that is uniquely you, you like, it would never work if you were trying to do Chris Lorenzo bases with this thing and that, because you have to fucking love it to be okay with the amount of work that it takes to find that combination of things and whatever that actually does sonically feel right. Um, mm. For example, it took me a long time to actually just realize if I want to make something that sounds like, like metal breakdown style thing, like, just fucking give up trying to use metal drums. Like I, I, I cannot tell you how many aborted project ideas I have on my drive of trying to make something that sounds like a heavy, like double bass, like double kick drum, like metal thing with like a few different metal sample packs of drums that I downloaded and I was like, but it has this specific feel to it 
that like only really like these kinds of drums like really work. And then it just never did. And when I let go of all these, like, but it should sound like this to make it heavy. Like you, you eventually figure out other stuff that, that takes its place, but feels more you. Um, and in that context, like, you know, I, I realized that for like hi hats and stuff, like for the amount of shit that I pack into the mid range of a mix, you don't hear the mid range of a hi hat fucking at all in any of my songs, even if it's there, it doesn't matter. So instead, what do you do? Like, I don't know. It took me a long time to figure out, like, actually making your hi-hats more, like, emphasized by, like, white noise and, like, downsample distortion and stuff in the high end to, like, give them the clarity that they need. But they don't even need their mid-range at that point. Like, they just need to, like, be present in a spectrum that they can be to give the sense of groove and, and make it work. Um, like the, the, the drums that I tend to go towards nowadays, like I just have a sense for what works better and like, it doesn't, it, it never matches perfectly the picture that you had in your head early on for the concept that you're trying to do. Um, and also like in the same vein, it actually just, it, I just finally was able to lean into this, like this year, realizing that like when I'm referencing other songs on a mix down and I'm trying to get the drums to sound the same, that's not the music you make. Like the music that I make, it's literally like the guitars and the bass synths and everything are a fucking gigantic force of nature in the middle of the mix and the hi-hats they can be quiet that's fine every other song that i listen to it's always roll the shit off at five six eight k that's really distorted the guitars always rolled off at eight six every time i did that it didn't really sound right so then i'm left like what the fuck? Like, I guess my I, I can't do this. My music just never going to work sonically. No, that's fine. It's just like, literally, I just was able to lean into the fact that it's a stylistic choice. Mm-hmm. Yes. To, to have that so upfront that there just really isn't that much room for the rest of the stuff. And you need to get it to the point where the, the hi-hats, they have their role. And stylistically, it's okay if they're not grooving right in your face on top. They're there. You can hear them. They provide accents to the groove. But the groove is the kick, the accent kick, and the snare. If you can't get the groove for my songs from those three things, I've failed already. Like, the hi-hats just accentuate that. And also like realizing that like also was just like a huge weight lifted off my shoulders because drums for me, it's like kick and snare and accent kick. Like that rhythm comes early on in the process and then fleshing out the hi hats that comes like, like at the end, like literally 
it's it's strange, but because I know the sub is just going to follow what the baseline is doing, um, and the hi hats are just going to accentuate the groove of the kick accent, kick and snare that I have. Both of those things, the sub and the hi hats, are like way at the end of writing a song. And so because they're at the end, it always is like a huge stress. Like, oh, I have to have like a sick hi-hat groove to go with the rest of this stuff. And like realizing like, like, yes, but take the pressure off yourself. It's not, it's not the focus of what you just spent 16 hours writing. It's okay to just spend an hour on the rest of the drums and finishing like the the sub and stuff like that, like that's okay that it doesn't take as long. And then it's like, as it does hilariously, once you let go of that shit, the hi hats that you throw in there that you're like, not worried about being perfect because you don't, because you're not trying to get them to be in your face and like lead the groove. Then all of a sudden they actually just sound better from the start. You're like, you try less hard to like put too much shit in there. And then it just sounds better. You're like, of course. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes simplicity is is really powerful, and not trying leads to that powerful simplicity. And I loved, I love that you you mentioned like you know okay you're referencing the track, and I think a lot of people get caught up in this. They're like, no, nah, like what I do has to sound like that. It's like nah, like you never have to sound exactly like any of the reference tracks you have. You only have to be sort of in the ballpark on the things in that track that you're going to it for. Like if you're like, I love that guitar tone. Let me reference the guitar tone and get sort of close to it. I love how loud the bass is on this one. Let me like make sure my sub and that sub are comparably loudish. I like the punchiness of these drums. Let me get mine closer to that. It's not about, it's not about matching it. And like you said, it's a stylistic choice that you're making and understanding, like, I love Tesco, you always talk about mix hierarchy. Like, mm-hmm. what are the important things here? And what's supporting? What's going to kind of fade into the background needs to be there because it'd be weird if it wasn't here. Like, that hi-hat groove is important, but not as important as these other seven things that you've already made and already mixed. Facts. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like, too, that, like, you had that realization of, hey, actually, my music is focused on this. So I can't do this, this, and this. You know, like, that. that's that's super important. Like, I remember having that conversation with Dylan back in the day. I'm sure he did with you, too, where he's like, stop trying to do all the things yeah. in every song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, too, because, like, the earlier Rip Kenny stuff, like, eventually landed in a similar mix hierarchy anyways but it always felt bad it mm. always felt like i was making the wrong choice and then i would reference something and eventually just get frustrated with the fact that it never sounded sonically like any of the references that i used even like referencing someone like sullivan king who does metal electronic like very definitively like none of the metal electronic stuff that I make ever really ends up sounding sonically like Sullivan King either. And I was always like, God, you fucking suck. You can't like it never, you'll never do, you'll, it'll never sound like that. And then like 
the 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 trade-off that I always painstakingly made in the end to get the mix done, the master done and release it ended up being similar to what like I've actually accepted as like a stylistic choice now. But like I said, it always just felt wrong. It always felt like I was fucking it up. I always felt like I wasn't good enough to make it sound how I wanted. Do you think and it was a matter of Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was basically done. But do you think that was a matter of like training your ears to like hear how that could sound like because you were so used to hearing the other references? Or do you think that was a doubt thing where you're like, I I don't trust my own decisions enough? I think it was more of a doubt thing because like like anyone that isn't touring internationally is always like you, you just have imposter syndrome unless you're absolutely deluded. You're like the person that is closest to what I'm doing that is touring the world sounds like this and I'm not even close. Like it just sonically, it's just way different and it's inevitable that you're just a little self-conscious about that. You're you're like, it's, it's just, you, you haven't proven that this works and they have proven that this does. And until you spend nine years working on music to, to, to realize like, fuck, like that's okay. Like you don't just like one day wake up and like realize that, that, that that's okay. Like it's a long, slow grind into having the confidence in your decision making for that kind of thing to be like, you know what? Fuck it. I like, when it sounds like this and everything that I've made up till this point ends up sounding like this, but I've never had the confidence to be like, this is what I'm doing. Like, this is what I'm trying to do. This ends up kind of sounding like that. And you massage it and chip away at stuff until it's finally like, yeah, you could play this on a loud system and it'd sound good. Like having the confidence in that stylistic choice, you can't, you don't just wake up and have that. It's, it's been a really long, slow grind. Like I said, like literally just this year, like when I was mixing Letting Go to release as the first single on the album and I was like having the existential crisis of this mix is now the reference for the rest of the album. Now when I'm mixing and mastering anything else for the album, the only references that I use are the songs that have already been been released or are done for the album because like as a as a coherent piece of work like you no longer are gonna reference the rest of what is out there for loudness sonic characteristics anything like none of that stuff is really gonna matter anymore because you already have your 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 like pillar your bedrock for what it's supposed to sound like sonically like now everything else should fit in a tight range next to that like and so like i said having the existential crisis that this song needs to be the mix reference for the rest of the album i was like struggling referencing 10 other songs in a multitude of genres none of which sounded sonically like what i was doing and finally i was like why why does it matter it is very loud it doesn't hurt your ears in the loud parts like you like the balance of things 
fuck it. This 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 is a stylistic choice to have it like this, and I like it. So this is what it is now. Like it literally took me from 2013 to 2022 to have the confidence to say that to myself and actually believe it. Crazy, eh? Just definitely fucking, feel you on that. Yeah. I, I I just feel like there's somebody out there listening to this as this goes live who has been just absolutely racking their brain trying to figure out how to match Rip Kenny songs on their mixes. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, thank God. No <laughs> I only have that. to get kind of close. Hey. No one is doing hey, that. Hey, some, some of the humans are doing that. Yo, t- put a comment if you've yeah, ever yeah, referenced a Rip Kenny song when no, you're no mixing. No one does that. I do it. that. <laughs> do you actually yes yeah we're your fan yeah. club yes we've absolutely referenced your tracks your mixes are awesome oh you're gonna make oh. me blush that's that that's hilarious to think that like, i mean it, it just goes back to the same thing like you're not like I, no one ever believes that they're that person that like someone's going to reference my music. Cause like by Kanye the time, believes. by the time you put it out, or at least the time I put my own music out, I'm like, fuck like, yeah. Okay. This like, finally it works enough. Like I've, yeah. I've, I've liked the song from the beginning and finally the engineering works enough. I've never been confident in like, this is, this is going to sound so good at, Coachella, like, damn, this is a fucking PA smasher. I'm always like, the sub's probably too loud. Like, the shit, like, scratchy right here. Like, dude, like, like, no shit. Even when, <laughs> even when, uh, Ill Gates played Don't Come Home off the Awakening EP, the first thing I ever released is, as Rip Kenny, standing in the crowd when I heard like the first couple notes of that piano thing. And I was like, Oh shit. He's playing this fucking song that I made. Not, not, not joy, not, not excitement, terror, terror. I was like, when that, when that horror, when that section out of the piano comes in with the guitars, it's going to be scratchy. And people are going to be looking around, like holding their ears, like, God damn, this sucks. Like, this hurts. I don't want to yeah, listen to this. that's definitely what happened. Well, it, it, it didn't. And that <laughs> shocked me because I had been on that section. I mean, this is classic producer mentality, though. But, like, on that section specifically, I had spent weeks notching out this is before i had soothe by the way mm-hmm. notching out little things and like boosting other little things to make the rhythm guitar and the lead guitar in that section actually work and not be harsh and like the balance that i finally got to and i was like okay shit this has to go to mastering like it's done like I felt like it was it was as good as I had gotten it, but I did not feel like it was good enough. Like when I played it loud in my headphones, I was still like, there are moments where it's like, eh, I don't know, and like it always it always scared the fuck out of me to know that that song was going to be played at a hundred decibels or whatever the fuck the village, the loudest stage that I even know of 
literally the loudest one bar none the loudest one the nicest sound system so it can be played as loud as possible the fucking loudest one is the one this song is getting played on and i'm just a guy sitting in my fucking bedroom at home making little tiny adjustments bouncing it listening to it on the way to work every day making notes as i'm sitting at a red light to change later in the day and then now i'm sitting in front of fucking ten thousand people that are about to listen to this song at maximum possible volume how the fuck would you ever believe that it's going to sound great like you like at least for me it, it was shocking but honestly a word of encouragement to literally anyone listening to this your best effort is probably going to sound pretty fucking good because when I, when I, when I actually, that section came in and I was like, holy shit, this, <laughs> this actually sounds great. Like everyone was loving it. Like I, I couldn't believe it, but because you went through the trouble of listening to it loud in your headphones, being aware that, harshness exists and and going through the painstaking cuts at 2.45 kilohertz and 3.21 kilohertz and no that one needs to be a db deeper and this one actually needs to be less like if you took the time to do that it's probably going to sound pretty fucking good and hopefully that I mean, pressing if it sound like ass, it can it, it might sound <laughs> like ass, but the, like actually though, like stuff on on a loud system, yeah, usually kind of figures itself out because of the the Fletcher Munson curve, like yeah. the overwhelming as, amounts of bass help everything else. Uh, yeah, exactly. On top well, as the decibels and the and the sound pressure level go up, that curve no longer feels like it's just at three point five and everything goes down like everything else comes up and then that range that you were painstakingly worried about is way less of a problem than it was um that being said definitely take the time to do that because you don't want to break like work people's on, ears work on your mixes but also you got to learn to let go exactly like, like that new song that you're talking yeah, about letting like go exactly and I think that's a good segue into talk about your new album that's on the way and the singles Woo! that are out about it because the singles are have you jams, even been putting son. that out? Yeah, you you told people there's an album coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Actually, it's funny. I've I've, I've thought that I've mentioned it enough times on this al- on this podcast that it could conceivably be annoying to people this album that i'm working on you know i don't know if i've told you about it it's pretty cool we know all the details say it more so i don't know what people need to know so i don't want to say any public like i'm gonna let you say the information because i don't know what's what's out in the world so tesco doesn't want to get fired for leaking info yeah i don't want to get fired (laughs) as your best friend um you know what's funny is i've actually only leaked the title of the album to listeners of this podcast through our email. The only mm-hmm. people that has oh, that's right, been publicly disseminated the title of the album are people that are signed up for our email list. Um, which, if you're listening, 
you know, those those are little Easter eggs that you know ev- everyone loves, right? Um, but yeah, except you, um, if you're not on the email list, which you should be. True. Join join the email list because I have recently we've we've been sending new music on that. So if you want to hear it, then do that. But new album, uh, it is a a concept that I had been thinking about ever actually, honestly, ever since starting making music, I've felt like telling like a really more like in-depth, both visual and like like purely like text, like story, like anyone that has ever read a book that has absolutely exploded their imagination and you've just like couldn't put it down. And I'm not even the biggest reader in the world. Actually, it's it I like much like my music taste with electronic music, like read a pretty good amount when I was a younger dude. And then high school, college, not one book, not fiction, not anything. I mean, maybe if it was like required for school, but I definitely That's just did the cliff maybe. notes definitely just the cliff notes and like if i had to read a chapter to write an essay on it or something i probably would have done that but like no books didn't even read like forgot how and like literally just this past year i actually picked up reading um the the gunslinger novel series by stephen king um which i i I only i honestly only even started reading that because both of my two best friends and Shelby like read most of it. Like Shelby's actually still on the last book. Both my other two best friends were like all the way through it. And they're like, dude, I know you don't know how to read, but you have to read this shit. Um, so and I, was, so I, I literally did. was holding the entire series as I moved books from one shelf to another upstairs right before That's this actually podcast. Worth like, learning um, to read for. Yeah, amazing series. Shouts out to Stephen King. But it's it's like it's so good, and I had forgotten like how how the inkling in my mind of how I knew reading something good like grabs you like that. Um, it it's like so that concept of like if you've ever read a book that really actually just encapsulated your brain and you like just saw in like a completely different palette of colors in your imagination. And like, it was so vivid and you like, couldn't help, but like think about what's happening and what's going to happen next. And you like, can't put the book down, blah, blah, blah. It sounds like such a bookworm thing to say, but like most people that have read good fiction have probably experienced that, that feeling combined with music that is interesting and different and emotionally weighted combined with visuals that bring that story to life kind of in the first person, like, you know, to not necessarily that they don't have to, you don't have to make a movie out of it, but visuals that help bring the emotional context of those moments to life. If you could put all three of those together, like, wouldn't that just be like such a powerful fucking experience? if you can capture the attention of anyone for long enough to actually like experience that, wouldn't it be really fucking cool? Um, 
And so that was kind of the genesis of, of the album. So just the music by itself is 13 songs that you could listen to one after the other, one individually. What and they should at all, the same time? Uh, at the same time would be a bit jarring. The, the Definitely the fidelity of that based on my mix thickness would not be enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> um, Got a lot of girth to his mix. Potentially. 12 girthy um, tracks in one. I mean, though. I'm not going to lie. The mixes for the album are definitely the girthiest that have ever come out of this computer. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> the genesis of the concept, right? So, yeah, the, the songs in and of itself, if you listen to them front to back, you'd probably get a pretty good sense of the story. And then there'll be a video that has visuals that are pleasing to watch that helps set the emotional context of the story as well. Um, like, essentially, like you could listen to the album while you're like, you know, snowboarding or something like that. And it would be like the perfect thing to listen to doing that. You know, you're at a party or like, you know, you got some friends around, you want to listen to some cool interesting music and have some visuals as well. You put the video up. You don't necessarily need to like read the context of what's happening, but you're like seeing cool visuals associated with the music. And that makes sense on its own level. And then there'll be actually like text like that comes up and like helps not helps that actually does narrate the specifics of the story along the journey. And if you're high alone in your room at 2 a.m., and decide that you want to get your mind blown, that's what you'll throw on. So I'm a calendar. <laughs> and he says, do drugs and listen to his music. Uh, only if you Watch want. Watch out, Karen's. Only if you want, but I, I assume that would be a very fun experience for you. Otherwise, like watch it at 4 p.m. on a Tuesday if you, if you want to pay attention mm -hmm. to the thing all the way through. But typically, your attention span at 4 p.m. on a Tuesday is not 45 minutes in length. Yes. So that's why that specific use case makes so much sense in my brain. That being said, that's kind of the overall like sense of what the album does. It's a pretty well-rounded journey of my musical palette, everything from you know more like rock type songs in a bass music format um and like like a you know neuroy big heavy type stuff with interesting chords and whatnot like and everything in between like anthems and bangers and bops and blasters and shoe slingers and zip zows uh, and hoozies and, and what's it dingling dongs right yeah um, but yeah i mean <laughs> it's it's definitely a pretty authentic representation of my musical taste and you know that field um, ring a dings yeah, the left field ring-a-dings, bunch of those. And um, yeah, I I mean, there's not much else to say about it other than there's a new single coming out. Well, it'd be out by the time you hear this. Um, Sounds like we got our song of the week picked. Yeah. It's called Get Out While You Can. And it's actually like funny. It does touch on some of the thematic concepts that we've talked about in this episode thus far, which is you doubt yourself until you have the confidence to tell your doubting self to fuck off. Fuck off, doubting self. Um, 
Yo, yeah. I love that track. I'm glad. It sounds even better now than when you first heard it. So, Bro, when I, you sent that shit to me, I was driving everywhere just blasting that shit. But this is so funny because I always thought that was like the most fucked mix. And I actually thought multiple times no. about you telling me that you were just blasting it in your car. And I was like, do his ears hurt? Like what? Like there's <laughs> no, that, man. Um, you honestly yeah. did an amazing job putting that together given what the fuck you're trying to do. I mean that that one is a perfect example of like how the fuck do you get guitars and this bass to work together? Like, are you joking? Yeah. How? Why um, don't you enlighten us? Because I would love to know as well. You know, just <laughs> so many iterations of taking a little bit out here and changing the patch a little bit here. Actually, that song in particular is one that gave me maybe the most trouble I've ever had with a mix like ever. And I mean, it's not surprising when you listen to it, you realize like how upfront both the guitars and the basses are, but um, it's like combined with the fact that the groove is all a 100% based on the guitar riff that I played that is not quantized at all but I liked the feel of how the guitar riff was played. And so I just extracted the groove from the guitar and put it on the basses. And then mm. um, naturally, like the way that the transients of the guitars work with the synths, they're like the guitars are not the same type of transient every time. And the synth is. But then I also was doing a bunch of like, you know, external instrument sends on the same MIDI channel to other serum effects things to like add layers of depth to the bass and like take out some of the high end, but also not like, you know, like adding an envelope that's triggered by the MIDI notes that are played in a separate serum effects. And I don't know, but all of that, something you do. I owe you know, I'll, I'll show you guys, but (laughs) it basically, it all ended up in like the MIDI would not trigger all of these things at the same time combined with the fact that the guitars transients are all quite different. Um, that like literally I, it took me like weeks to realize that when I was playing through and trying to like sound design the patch to be like just perfect to work for what I wanted to it to do any given time I played it through like the combined volume of the, just the bass channel would be five or six decibels different depending on literally just pressing space bar and pressing it again and then pressing it again and press and see play. And the number would be for the exact same thing, not changing anything five or six decibels different, depending on which time you, you played it through, which creates a really fucked issue for what I was trying to do because I was trying to like get the patch to sonically fit the guitar, like as good as possible, like the decay and the effects and this serum effects and that one and this parallel distortion and this, and you're like making micro adjustments to try and get it right. And then you play it again and you're like, what the fuck? That sounds totally wrong. Combined with the fact that the groove of of this is all like really weird swings, like the snares hit at like different latenesses and like like all of it was just this 
ridiculous. Like you couldn't, you couldn't just bounce the the that MIDI track with the bass that I'm talking about because it wasn't right yet, you know. And every time you fucked with it, you didn't actually get a indicative result of what it was going to sound like. So I ended up just bouncing like eight different versions of the playthrough at any given time and had to like comp which one sounded the best and then figure out what needed to change from there and then fucking make some edits and do the same fucking thing over again. That's what I'm talking about. When, if you, if you want to do something different, you really got to fucking love it because you're going to run into this kind of shit. And if I didn't love the song to begin with, like, there were so many times where I was like, fuck it. It's not going on the album, but of course you come to your senses and you're like, but I like it. Like just figure it the fuck out. So So the song is called get out what you can. Are you sure that wasn't advice for each time you opened the session? Oh, every, everything about everything (laughs) about that title makes more and more sense. The more you know about the song, it's so funny. Uh, Oh man. Um, So relatable. yeah. Can't wait to so, hear the new version and for all of you people listening to the podcast. You already did at the beginning and you're about to at the end. And then you click on the link down below and you go play it on loop ten times, put it on your favorite it. playlist, hit the favorite like it button. from your mother's Spotify as well. Do it. Yeah. Put your mom on a rip, Kenny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yes. while we're here. What was the issue? How what was what was fucky with the synths? Was it on random or what? No, there was literally I, I literally dissected that channel all the way down to just the synth and it still did it. Um it's because A I always knew that MIDI jitter was a possibility, but had so, it had never happened to me before. It's like fate it's like phase alignment. Like it's this thing that people tell you to like it could it could kill you in your sleep phase alignment like sure. get it fucking right or you'll die and you're jitter, like well like- it's never really fucked me up so it's not something i need to worry about and then you understand like oh just phase alignment if it's out of phase it's not going to be as loud and that's not the best but okay um but this like midi jitter is essentially like if you have if your cpu doesn't get the timing of the MIDI note like exactly where it's supposed to be every time it plays through, like it will end up in a slightly different spot. Like just by the, like just milliseconds. Just a real thought here. MIDI jitter to me sounds like something Yosemite Sam would yell after accidentally shooting himself in the foot. Right a fucking MIDI jitter. Undeniably, undeniably it is. I mean, it's one of the reasons that when you finish, when you finish a mix, you should bounce shit to audio because the every time you bounce it, it might be could be slightly different. I had never had an issue with it until now. I think because I had on the same MIDI channel that was already fucking up somehow. I also had multiple external instruments in in like three chains following sending a trigger from the MIDI to other serum effects to like do envelopes on distortion mm. and filters and stuff at different parts of the chain because like before distortion it does something different than you know blah 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 and 
it was like the main patch that leads the whole song. Like it's the thing you're listening to and everything else kind of supports behind it. Um, and because it was the main patch, I had to like make it big and also fit with the guitars. But basically, yeah, it was a MIDI jitter issue and the external instrument sends uh, basically made the issue worse. Never heard about that. The more you know. Yeah. But if don't please, if you're listening to this, don't lose sleep over MIDI jitter. It has never happened to me until this project. And I think it's because it was just such a complex patch. Um, you know, one of those special ones I do sometimes where there's no mod assignments left. Yeah. All 29 baby. As I wink with a twinkle in my eye, every single mod assignment. And like you go to just add one more and you're like, Oh fuck, I forgot. I can't. And then you end up adding more serum effects later and fucks you up worse. But <laughs> it's usually not an issue like ever. And don't worry about it until you do have to worry about it. Yeah. But yeah, so that's the third single. There's a, there's two other singles that are out, Letting Go and Lost. Um, both are, you know, doing pretty good. Letting Go is definitely by far the favorite so far. Um, and I like all of them. So maybe when people just couldn't too, find um, the second one. Good. Yeah, maybe they got lost. That's that's a really good point. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. But yeah. Anything else? Man, oh, shit. Tell the people is, where to find you on the else? internets. You can find me on the internet at Rip Kenny Music in all locations. Uh, I'm definitely the most active on Instagram. Uh, actually, that's really the only place that I'm truly active. There's other places that I post and interact, but that's really if you want to keep up to date with the shiz. Uh, Instagram. There's also ripkenny.com. Shout out <coughs> the episode on branding uh, episode <coughs> that uh, we talk about, you know, getting all your things the same and getting your website, but ripkenny.com. Check that shit out. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Wonderful. Thank you so much for telling us about your superhero origin story, your new album, Midi Jitter. Mm. And being yeah. driven by the urge to be creative. Yes. All of the things. All of the things. Well, humans, tune in next week to hear us grill Tesco. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, tell it, give them a peace. Peace. And a peace among worlds. Peace <laughs> among worlds. I like it. All right, humans, thank y'all so much for being with us. We appreciate you truly. And uh, you can go support our sponsors so much. You appreciate us and them. Uh, Dojo TV, that's free producer live stream classes from the producer Dojo Senseis. Every other Tuesday, 6 p.m. Pacific, we're out there live doing the podcast. You can hop in the chat, ask us questions, drop memes. It's really fun. You can go support Tesco on his Patreon. Uh, he's got a new Patreon channel. You can get access to his educational content, project files, behind-the-scenes footage, his access to his Discord, track feedback, private lessons, and more. You can uh, learn from our mentor, Ill Gates, who has private weekly group lessons called The Weekly Download, and get access to over 250 more episodes in the archive for only 20 bucks a month. It's actually probably closer to like 300 episodes by now. He does one every week for years on end, and man, there's so much amazing content in there. And at five bucks a lesson, 
plus unlimited access to all of the previous lessons all nicely archived for you categorized for you and you have there's actually like tons of ableton project files and sound packs you can download in there too it's the best deal in music production available and uh, guest practices we can learn from the best engineer we know seth drake at the approach institute your first class over there is free Make sure you support Rip Kenny and the song of the week you're hearing behind me. That's his new one, Get Out What You Can, the third single off his upcoming album. Make sure you go click the link, support that. Put it on your favorite Spotify playlist, loop it, like it, share it with your friends, put it on social media. Let's make that one blow up. And uh, you can visit us at thehumanmusicpodcast.com to get access to our social media, you know, more episodes, and free sound packs. Until next week when we're interviewing Tesco, peace and peace among worlds.